Hey, this is Thomas, and you're listening to the Tassim Podcast, where I just talk to people that I either know, find very interesting, or have a message that I want to help share. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. It happened again. <laughs> this is definitely the first take. There was not a fir- uh, uh, one before this. That's all I'm saying. Is take one, and there was no take zero or negative one. It's just take one. Straight up. Uncut. Minus the Uncut cuts. Johns. Minus the cuts and post-production things. This is entirely just... Yeah. Unedited. Uncut jobs. <laughs> so, hello, sir. Greetings. How are you today? I'm all right. That's good. All right. That was a good one. All right. We're all done. We're going <laughs> to. Uh, I'm speaking with Pastor J.J. Bliffin. I like saying it like that because it kind of has that A.A. Allen feel. <laughs> but Pastor Jeremy Bliffin. Of Paynes, Paynesville, Ohio, FWC Family Worship Center, Paynesville, Ohio. I don't know your guys' address as far as where you're actually located, but probably not the best thing to put that on the internet sometimes. For all intents and purposes, just Google us. I mean, yeah. You can find our website at fwcp.thechurchco.com. Yeah. But you, not your church that you're pastoring, I know very well because it is our grandfather's church or was our grandfather's church and now you're pastoring it. Indeed. My father and my pastor is from this church, you know, born and raised in this church. So there's a, a huge heritage. Plus, you know, if it, the fact that we share a grandfather doesn't already tell that, we are cousins. We've known each other literally Basically our whole lives. And you went from living up here in Ashtabula, Painesville, Geneva Hole, kind of, you know, Highway 90 area, to moving to Kentucky and actually living with me and my family for quite a while and then end up coming back here and pastoring a church, which was your home church. Indeed. So how does that come about? Like, how do you go from being up here and just being a member of this church to, like, leaving for about seven to eight years, getting married and coming back, find yourself in a Kentucky girl and bringing her back to Ohio? Well, it all started when my mom met my dad <laughs> and things got a little crazy. And then came me. No, I mean, essentially, um, I was uh average teen, you know, no aspirations in life, no desire to have aspirations in life, and I was on my fourth year of high school and was a junior because I had failed sophomore year twice and 
was on a path to graduate two years after my graduating class was originally going to graduate. So essentially I got caught in a haze of laziness and just um, really just no vision for my life. And, you know, that's mainly my fault, but I mean, it's it's kind of also my upbringing. Um, my dad was a hardworking guy, um, but he was just kind of a factory worker. He didn't really push me to aspire or achieve much um, because that's just not the way that their family was. Um, so I really didn't know what my life would look like, didn't really think about it. I would say growing up, Honestly, my teachers probably pushed me to try and make something of myself more than my parents, which is nothing against my parents. It's just, you know, don't think about that kind of stuff because it's just like we're just, you know, we're raising our kids, going on with life. Um, so because of my laziness and non-aspirations, I had a chance to do an internship program with my uncle, James McFadden, who lived in Kentucky. And after the fact, I learned that my mom kind of talked to my uncle and said, like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my son. He's already failed two years of high school, and he needs help. So... I had this opportunity, and I thought, you know, it's a summer. It'll be fun. But I also didn't necessarily have a choice when I first went for this mm -hmm. summer internship program. My mom basically said, you're going, and you're going to like it or else. <laughs> so I went, spent a summer, you know, living with you at mm -hmm. your house, and we did a hard work, yeah, hard labor. It was, it was tough. Lot. It was a lot. And... Then at the end of the summer, when I thought it was time to go back home, I was presented with an opportunity, which was you can either go back home and continue on trying to graduate high school and probably eventually dropping out, or you can stay in Kentucky, live with your uncle and aunt, your cousins, and graduate high school making up some of that lost time by taking classes online. And so that was kind of my first real decision in the right direction of making something of myself because it was completely my decision. Nobody said, you're going to stay, you're going to take these classes. Because I could have went home then and there mm -hmm. and probably continued on in my nowhere life, probably ended up graduating but, you know, maybe be like 21 in high school when I finally graduate, which is just embarrassing and terrible. And But I took the opportunity and then graduated in 2012. And then at the end of that summer, after graduating, um, I was presented with another opportunity. Well, now that you finished high school, you can't live here unless you decide to further your education or get into the workforce. Mm -hmm. So I was 
kind of jostling the idea of college, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, kind of set myself up for general education classes, but I just didn't pursue that heavily because I think I was kind of wanted to take a break from school. You know, I think most people do when they have that opportunity. And I'm sure, I don't know the statistics, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that take a year off before they go to college. Yeah, when I was younger, and I actually still wanted to go to college, that's what I said I was always going to do, is take, I was like 12, but I was like, I'm going to take a year and travel, and then I'm like, traveling costs money, I'll just take a year off, and then I graduated, and I was like, screw school, I never want to go again. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I decided to go to work, and then... uh, I would say I was attending Trinity Life Center uh, Church. Um, my Uncle James McFadden being the pastor of Trinity Life Center, or TLC, as we will henceforth refer to it in this podcast. Um, kind of felt when I turned 18 amidst all of this, I really felt like I needed to be baptized. So, uh, got baptized for, I want to say it's the first time in my life. I think I got baptized when I was younger, but, mm-hmm. you know, I just, uh, I don't quite remember because there's a lot of stuff in our childhood. It was more like remember. the first time you decided to be baptized. Yeah, I decided for myself. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like, well, other people are getting done, so I better get it done. Yeah. So, my 18th birthday party was basically a pool baptism, yeah. <laughs> a pool party baptism, so to speak. Um, and some nasty green water. <laughs> and so uh, turned 18, uh, got baptized, then finished out that school year. Basically did two years in one and did my junior and senior year at the same time. Um, and then graduated 2012. And then went to the workforce So I said that I was baptized then just to lay the foundation of the reason I wanted to be baptized when I was 18 is because that's the first time in my life where I felt like I decided to be Christian because I wanted to be, not because I was raised in a Christian home. And it was other people's beliefs that were affecting me. That's the point in my life where my personal relationship with Christ actually started. Um, So... I kind of had a feeling and was told, you know, many times when I was growing up, people always would tell my mom, you know, he's going to be a worship leader one day. He's going to be a worship leader. And Mm -hmm. maybe it was even spoken prophetically over me. Um, But, I, you know, I wouldn't know because I wasn't paying attention back then. But my mom probably has a record, you know. So uh, eventually, as I was going on in the workforce, attending TLC, I felt in myself that I needed to be part of the worship team. So I approached the worship leader myself and asked to join the team. And uh, I had to try out, you know, because they don't let just anybody on the team, mm-hmm. at least in those days. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I got in just before they brought the tryouts back, but also <laughs> I had been the drummer for the youth band for years, so they kind of just took that as my tryout and was just like, yeah, you can just upgrade to the praise team. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to join, but they're like the other drummers starting her new job. She works night shift. She's not going to be here 
every service. So we need you to cover like Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Cause we used to have three services then. Yeah. And, um, Sunday night was the main, like the big service. So she was still there for that. And then I just had to cover all the smaller ones. Yeah. And then I ended up just doing the whole thing, but you know, you were on the team with me. So you yeah. already know all that. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, but it was great. It was a good time. Um, we can look back now and say, we're glad we went through that. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, I joined the team, uh, was uh, pretty involved in church in that way, um, and then eventually, uh, you know, a few years after that, I was in a service here at this church, actually, and was called out during a sermon um, that I've known that I was going to be a worship leader uh, my whole life. People have prophesied that over me, but God said that I'm going to preach as well. Mm-hmm. And then sometime after that, um, in a different service at this church as well, <laughs> here at Family Worship Center in Painesville, will be henceforth known as FWC <laughs> for this podcast. I'll try to remember to call it. DLC, I always just by habit call it Trinity. I mean, I've gone there my whole life and I've still called it that. Yeah. So I've known I'm going to be a worship leader. I've known I'm also going to preach the gospel. But then I was told not only am I going to do worship leading, am I going to preach the gospel, I'm also going to pastor. And so that's kind of how things really got stirred up because obviously I was mainly in the aspect of ministry was, um, you know, helping lead worship. And then there was a point where our main worship leader um, decided to have some babies. So we were in kind of an interim of two or three different people were leading the team at once, mm-hmm. but it was all leadership roles. Um, and then eventually um, I met a girl. Mm-hmm. Her name was Amanda. Mm-hmm. And... I liked her. I liked her a lot. So I decided to start dating her. Um, She was a good Christian lady. Uh, Met her at TLC because she came there for a youth event Mm -hmm. led by my bro, Alan Player. Shout out to you, Alan. Love the TikToks, man. And... Um, so yeah, we started dating, um, right before we started dating, um, really kind of a horrible time in my life, uh, which was my dad passed away, Mm -hmm. uh, in December of 2014. So I was talking to Amanda at that time, but we weren't dating until probably about five or six months after that. So, after I started dating her, essentially there was some backlash that I was receiving from somebody who was like a father figure to my wife, now wife, (laughs) Amanda, and this was uh, someone, I won't name them, Uh, you know who you are. If you ever listen to this 
podcast. I would be very surprised if they did. I also forgot this happened. Yeah. Like, I remember how prominent it was when it happened and totally forgot about it. Yeah. So this was um, essentially this father figure who was in Amanda's life. um, Did not approve of me in any way, shape, and form. Um, I can only describe this person as what was described to me as a great man of God. Uh, very well known and beloved in the community. Um, he knew everybody, and nobody had any ill things to say about him, other than he might have been a little kooky. Um, Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and he apparently knew my family from the time way back when my mom and my dad lived in Kentucky for a brief time after they got married. I believe they lived in Kentucky for about one and a half, maybe two years. That's that's what I'm told. I wasn't yeah. a, I, and they neither, actually neither one of us were attended TLC, then, I'm assuming, uh, when yeah. they lived in Kentucky. So um, this person didn't approve of me dating Amanda, and so they reached out to me via text message and basically said... Um, You need to stop dating Amanda. She's not for you. You're no good for her. And um, I want this to stop. So, uh, I mean, I'm putting that really lightly, but he was very nasty, uh, very rude. I mean, you were there. Yeah, you you showed me the text. We were uh, doing a water test because the water got turned on at a home inspection. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were the early days of vision at that time. And we were finishing... uh, that water test because the water had got turned on after you guys did the inspection. Yeah. And um, we were riding together. And texts were really nasty. Had to fight myself not to respond in a bad way because of all the things I heard about this guy, you know, thinking he's a big shot. You know, I need to watch my mouth, watch what I say because Mm -hmm. I'm also representing my family. And um, so I... Didn't stop dating Amanda mm-hmm. because, you know, me and Amanda were both consenting adults. Doesn't matter what this relationship is to Amanda for this person because she's her own person mm-hmm. and she's three years older than me. So me, um, uh, you know, being the headstrong person mm-hmm. said, uh, well, I don't care. So, essentially, because I made that decision to continue pursuing Amanda, um, that led to the worst time in my life, apart from, um, you know, people that I know and who have passed away, I would say I took this harsher than the people in my life who have passed away, because this was the first time that I was opened up to the reality of people who call themselves Christians but forget they're Christians. So this person, who shall not be named, (laughs) proceeded to drag my name through the mud to everyone and anyone who would listen, Mm -hmm. Um, unafraid to use my name. Um, I got text messages and calls from people letting me know that this was happening. There's mm-hmm. nothing I could do about it because of how well-respected this person was in the community and to everybody about town, if you will. And he even told Amanda to her face 
that if she chose to stay with me, that I would end up dragging her kicking and screaming to hell along with myself because I am not a man of God. I never will be. And I will just be a wife beater and I will just follow in the footsteps of my father. Um, and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, any such thing. Um, so essentially, I had my reputation utterly destroyed by somebody who claimed to be a man of God, who was a preacher of the gospel, who was a pastor at several points at different churches. At the time, I believe he was a youth pastor of a local church um, not too far from Trinity Life Center. Mm -hmm. And he even had a chance to preach at TLC amidst this because simply because my pastor, my uncle James, didn't really, I think, know everything that was going on or what have you, you know, it was just, you know, the you have people to it. preach, you know, he had a good reputation. Yeah, he didn't really know the severity of it. Yeah. And I remember after that sermon, he was just kind of like, no, nah, he's done. Yeah. He's not, so this he's person not was in the pulpit again. and basically without calling out me and Amanda directly, basically drug us through the mud. Yeah. And I was there for the whole service. Said that we're horrible people and um, that we were going to end up you know, split in hell wide open. And it was terrible. It was basically a sermon on why he was a man of God and people should hear his words. Yes. And know that he's right. Yes. And points of it were good, but his main point on like what it was about was kind of just like, no. And even then, like my dad, Pastor James, went up right after him and just re-preached another sermon and just ripped everything he said to shreds. Yeah. And then was like, okay, now we can have an altar call. And I was I was in the back wings ready to play music. Me and David were there and ready to just start playing. And he got up and just started re-preaching. I was like, I don't know if we're supposed to go up there and start playing right now or not. Yeah. It took everything in me not to get up and interrupt the service. Because at that time, I was actually an armor bearer mm -hmm. um, to Pastor James. Yeah. And the armor bearer sat on stage mm -hmm. um, at that time. And so I was probably only 10, 15 feet from this gentleman preaching, tearing my girlfriend apart um, and tearing me apart. Um, but after that fact and after multiple meetings with this person and my Uncle James and Amanda, um, there was no resolution. Um, he refused to relent. But amidst the worst time in my life, the word of the Lord came forth. And it was told to me that God is protecting my reputation. That God is silencing those that would speak against us. Because regardless of everything that took place, 
I can't say that my walk with Christ was the best at that time, especially with this ha- happening, but I know that God had other plans. Mm. And amidst this time as well, um, not far after this person said all these things and tried to destroy my reputation, the word of the Lord also came forth that God was giving me and Amanda <laughs> what the man of God described as triple grace. And he even said when he prophesied it, I've never even heard of this before, but God said he's giving you triple grace. And that was kind of like at the time we were just like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Um, But he never said, God said this was for a limited amount of time, that this was something that's just going to happen for this season. And so now we even had a recent conversation a few weeks ago that that word maybe was more pertaining to the walk that we were going to take to get where we are now because we were going to have to fight hard, tooth and nail, and we were going to have to face situations and people that were going to be extremely difficult. But God was right there with us, giving us triple grace, the grace to be able to walk through those situations and not having walked away from the faith. So, we ended up getting married. Mm-hmm. I was there. <laughs> I mean, we got married pretty quickly, comparatively to a lot of people. I mean, inside of my friend group, not so much now that everybody's married. Yeah, I was the um, fastest, for sure. But we officially got married... Um, okay, well, I was, 20... the, I was the last one to get married in our <laughs> friends group, but I was the one who met his wife and also married her within a year. So yeah. it's the fastest. Yeah. Well, we got married 21 days after our one-year dating anniversary. So Nice. Um, I proposed about six months into that relationship, um, which was... I don't know. I'm not trying to like pat my own back. Like, you know, uh, I'm so good. I pursued my wife, even though the devil was fighting me tooth and nail. Mm. Um, But there was, there was a time amidst that horrible destroying of my reputation where I thought maybe I should just walk away. Is this even worth it? But something inside of me just said no, because the reason you're with her is because you love her. So I got a firsthand experience of what it meant to fight for love. Um, so after having gotten married, um, finally moved out of my uncle's house, and left my bro. <laughs> yes, it was a sad day. And uh, we ended up getting a, a house literally right across the street from the church, um, about a four-minute walk. And uh, amidst this, um, stepped into a leadership role at one of my jobs at the time, which was uh, working at uh, daycare that was inside of TLC. It was called TLC Creative Learning Center, um, rest in pepperonis. Um, and I was also stepping into more of a leadership 
esque role at Trinity. Uh, I was dabbling in multiple areas of ministry, just filling in wherever I was needed. And that led to me and Amanda becoming the youth pastors of uh, TLC. Uh, we were just, um, well, I say youth, but I really mean children's. I misspoke there. Um, Alan was the youth pastor, yeah. and he was killing it from day one. Um, so we stepped into a role. We were kind of assisting the youth. It, it's but interesting because we he's the children's pastor now. Yeah, he's the children's pastor now. Um, so we were just, you know, helping out in the areas of ministry that we could. Um, and we were teaching the children uh, together, mainly me, but Amanda was doing the other aspects, you know, keeping the children in line. And, you know, um, but I did uh, the sermons and, and such and um, assisted in helping the kids to worship themselves instead of just watching the adults worship downstairs in the main sanctuary. So we had the children's sanctuary upstairs. And then that led to us eventually being the children's pastors. Um, didn't think that our role as children's pastors would be so short-lived. <laughs> I think yeah. we were in that position officially five or six months before we moved because um, after we took that role, um, my grandfather decided he wanted to retire and even though I knew I was going to pastor and we had talked about the idea of, um, you know, going back to Ohio, um, we didn't know it would be so quickly because, uh, basically the Lord spoke to my uncle. My uncle hears from the Lord. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Chicken wings and thighs, okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice what he tells you, other times it's not. Yeah. Um, so the Lord spoke to him in probably one of the most difficult times of his life when his mother passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, when he saw me walking down the center aisle to come and pay my respects to my grandmother, um, his mother, Sister Linda McFadden, may you rest in peace. Can't wait to see you in heaven. Love you, Mama. And God spoke to him audibly. I sent him down to Kentucky so that you could send him back up here to Ohio. And so that was a couple years before my grandfather decided to retire. Mm -hmm. And so everything happened very quickly. We were actually looking to buy a house and get settled after becoming the children's pastors of TLC, uh, we must have looked at almost 30 houses and couldn't agree on anything, and we didn't really know why until after the fact, um, but God had other plans. He worked it out to where we specifically and purposely didn't find a house that we wanted to settle in because he was sending us back to Ohio. So we... Moved to Ohio in 2018, um, the first week of August 2018, and I trained under my grandfather for a year before stepping into the role as pastor of Family Worship Center in 2019, August of 2019. 
And then, as you all know, there was a worldwide pandemic seven months later, uh, six or seven months, somewhere in there. And so the first year of stepping into this pastoral role was the worst possible year anybody could start pastoring because yeah. um, even being ill-prepared and not knowing how to do everything properly uh, was even worse when you were in a realm where nobody knew how to do anything properly. Nobody was prepared for the pandemic. Um, obviously, after a few months, some people got certain things in place. There's a lot of church happening online. Um, but this church is extremely small, still small now, um, but very small then. And um, uh, we've joked in the past, um, but it was true and still is kind of true now, which was um, this church. Um, people are dying faster than the church is growing. And it was crazy because when we moved, somebody had passed away within the first six months of us coming to Ohio. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to speak ill of Family Worship Center or the ministry of my grandfather in any way, shape, or form. He's an amazing man of God. I believe he walks with the Lord daily. And... Yeah, um, but just to give you a rundown of, you know, what we're dealing with is very small church, um, very small congregation. Um, much older crowd. Much older crowd, yeah. Me and Amanda are late 20s, and I think the average age of the people here was over 60, mm -hmm. uh, apart from my mother and my sister. Um so just kind of a, um, I don't know, just a just a culture shock and a differential because coming from Trinity, very big church, very big building, um, very big crowd. Um, so going down to something so small, um, I guess it was a good training ground for me um, because I was preaching so much and so often, even before I stepped in as the full pastor. I was preaching practically every service and assisting in worship on top of that. And, I mean, your dad even said at one point, you know, you're preaching more than I do at my church. <laughs> so um, I started out as the pastor in 2018, or, or rather 2019. And then after about a year... And a half, we decided to make a transition to become a pack church through the Assemblies of God. And I transitioned my role from pastor to campus pastor. And essentially, our church is an extension of TLC in Kentucky. And we have live services. Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but our Sunday mornings, the sermon part of the service is actually streamed in live or close to it on our very large flat screen on our stage. But we still have, you know, live worship, live operatory, live altar call, what have you. Mm -hmm. But we 
have our senior pastor, Pastor James McFadden, preaching our Sunday sermons. And well, here's the crazy thing with that that I don't I don't know if you know this because I'm sure maybe somebody's told you, but if they haven't, then I'll be the first to tell you. Like I'm I'm at TLC, so I'm at the service that you guys are watching the sermon from, but like the altars in your church are are moving much more than ours are. And that's not a knock on our church. It's just the reality of it. It's like we're getting calls from you of like you're praying for people, prophesying, people are getting healed. And I'm the dude usually playing the music at the end of the service. There's an altar call. It's just nobody's coming up. So it's like while at the same time like we're having basically the same sermon, the reaction's different. Yeah. And even though the church is smaller, the reaction, for lack of a better term, is better. Or it's like what you're wanting the reaction to be. Yeah. Because nobody's going to church just wanting to have a regular service. It's like I was telling you, I, I listened to that um that little sermonette. That, well, I say sermonette, but it's like a full-blown 40-minute sermon from Ren the Heavens on Rick Pino's album. And, you know, one of the things that he was talking about is just the expectations of people when they come to church. We've got a certain thing that we expect out of church or that we're coming looking for from church. And his whole part, point of his sermon was, what if we change the perspective of that, saying instead of coming to experience the love of God, we come in giving God our love. It puts more of the obligation of what happens at church on us rather than you know, just showing up, hoping God does something. Yeah. Because the our love moves God just like his love moves us. Yeah. And I think those things work together, which is how you get a great move. But yeah, point being is like what you want when you come to church is you want that connection. You want that feeling. You want people to get, you know, healed. You want the uh, people to come in and get their lives restored to you know, bring their lives to Christ if they're not already saved. Like, those are all things you want to happen every single service. And point being is, like, just from hearing from what you tell us on what's happening every Sunday at your guys' place, it's working pretty great for you guys. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the people absolutely love Pastor James and his messages, and, I mean, I do too. I love it. Um. It's the atmosphere is charged here. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. I mean, obviously, I'm not nearly and maybe never will be as good of a preacher as Pastor James. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have to. I have to do it for maybe forty more years to to see. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but the people just connect with him in a different way because he crosses bounds. And he appeals to the older crowd, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also dumbs it down to where even teenagers and even younger can understand and, and um, be in the know, so to speak, with the preaching of the gospel. Um, but I think that also helps our services because he's bringing the word, but I'm also putting in the extra preparation for how the altar calls are going to go and what we're singing 
what the mood of the service is going to go towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, I mean, this isn't to boast on myself or, or any such thing, but especially recently, the last three weeks, um, I've been sharing snippets either in the after worship or in the off, on, in the offertory of stuff that I feel like the Spirit wanted me to share, and then Pastor James will bring it up in the sermon almost verbatim, word for word, what I shared with the people. And so that's kind of um, crazy in the sense of the people are looking at me like, man, you're on it today too. It's like instant confirmation. Yeah. So it's, it's. Um, I think a lot of people were skeptical when we first made this transition. Uh, I think, um, you know, not to dog on my wife or anything, but I think she was also very skeptical simply because she didn't know how it would work. Um and I think especially the older crowd was skeptical, but they were willing to try because. Um, well, and also with your wife, too, like she's born and raised Kentucky. Yeah. So this was like moving to a totally new place, which my wife totally understands that because it's the exact opposite. She's born and raised here in Ohio. <laughs> and she marries me, comes down to Kentucky. The only person she knows is my family and myself yeah. and. Just, you know, trying to navigate literally being in a totally different place from where you've lived for 20 plus years. Yeah. But it's, um, I don't know, it was, it was particularly hard coming here, not just because I was leaving everything and, you know, giving up my role as the children's pastor and, and, um, but it, it was also just the shock of the differential of the churches. Um, because it was never a, okay, you're going to go do this. It was a, this is where God is leading. Are you going to say yes? So I would say even to my detriment, I was so willing to say, yes, Lord, even giving up everything, moving and, even taking onto myself a financial burden of moving states. <laughs> um, but then once we were here, we didn't quite know what we got ourselves into until sometime later. You know what I mean? It's like, no matter what it is, you can be a yes man. <laughs> and yeah. I felt like I was that for God. Um, again, not boasting on myself like, Oh, look at, <laughs> look at Jeremy. He's saying yes to God. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Um, Good job. But just the realization of the differential of not just the atmosphere, but the population of the churches. Because I went from, you know, being on stage, helping lead worship at a church who the average crowd for a long time was over 100. Um, um, Coming to a crowd that the average was 10 on a good Sunday literally 10 people, including myself, on a good Sunday. And there was a time where I had four to five people on stage on my worship team when we first took uh, took over as the pastors here. And that was literally 60% of the church was on stage (laughs) trying to worship and, you know, get engaged with the other four people that were in the crowd. (laughs) Um, And it's easy to say, um, 
you know, well, you don't sound very grateful. God sent you here. Um, but the word of the Lord was constantly despise not small beginnings, like it says in his word. And that became like the church's catchphrase for a long time, I think. It's just despise not small beginnings. Because um, regardless of where I was at Trinity and where I was at in my life and my walk with God, um, it's just we never see the end result of God's plan or his purpose or where he's leading. And I'm honored, I can say that now, that I'm honored that God put me in this position because I get to see this thing start. So though we are small in number, we're strong in faith, and that's not an uncommon quote that we have here at FWC, (laughs) Um, but it really is true um, that we shouldn't despise small beginnings. I said earlier, um, I'm not going to speak ill of my grandfather, and I won't, um, because he had an amazing ministry here for over 40 years. It doesn't matter what the ministry looked like when I took it over, because he was following where God was leading. He didn't make every right decision, neither have I, and I never will. We're human. But here's where we are. God wants to do a new thing. So we're rebuilding from the ground up. That's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears. And it's going to take money. Mm-hmm. But despising not small beginnings, because although this church may have been at one point, you know, standing room only, there's a sign in our little lobby when you walk into our building that says maximum capacity. I think it's like 149 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine one time in my life where this building was that full, even growing up in this church. It was always kind of the skeleton crew. There was one homecoming when I was a kid that I remember we had to bring extra chairs so people could sit because all the rows had been taken up. And even with that, I remember counting. um, And this is before I could play drums or anything. So this was a long time ago, back before they made me play drums every homecoming. They don't anymore. But that's because you're the pastor now, so it's totally different. <laughs> but uh, I think it was it was seventy something. So you know, it wasn't even half that. But it was that's yeah. the most I've ever seen in this building, and it was yeah. it was getting to where it's like nobody could sit down. I mean, it's hard to say how many people could sit because yeah. you know when you count seating, you're talking uncomfortably seating mm-hmm. this many people. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, homecoming is usually our biggest service every year, and there's quite a lot of people in the building. Um, you know, I'm not really in the mood to, or not, I guess mood's not the right word, but I'm not really in the habit of counting people when they're here because I just try to enjoy that, yeah. you know, the people are here. Oh, yeah, I definitely don't do that now. And so um, essentially I'm just really excited because we've been in a great time of transition here at FWC even the room we're sitting in doing this podcast right now, our, our conference room, everything in this room is new. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather did almost entirely this room by himself. He remodeled it. Um, got an amazing new table, chairs set up, um, painted the walls, installed a new door. Oh, yeah, I love this room. Got new carpet installed. It's an amazing room, but this is just the first step in the real transition that this church is going through. Mm -hmm. 
because when you pastor for for over 40 years, you build up a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I don't just mean people or relationships or things. I mean I mean literally physical stuff. And we've um, gone through, you know, as a small congregation, it's also a small church. And so we are going through a time of kind of getting rid of all of the older stuff that has just been accumulating over the course of the last many years. And we are starting to do remodels on these rooms that have kind of just been taken over by age and a little dilapidated. But it's exciting to see that transition because I believe as God is helping us to get rid of these overflowing things and make way for the new things. That is when he is starting to slowly pour out the new things that he wants to do in this community and in this church. So it's exciting. I mean, it took a lot for us even to get to this point, but now that we're kind of, you know, here in 2022, um, God had a plan from the beginning. And now that we're finally starting to see his plan unfolding, we can sit back and say, I wish I knew that three years ago. <laughs> uh, but I mean, things are going very well. I mean, just this year so far, we've done more events so far this year than we have in the last three years since we took over as pastors. Um, we tried our darndest to do events amidst the pandemic, but we had either one person show up or no people show up mm. for any event that we did, um, which was, you know, to be expected. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I think back to that time that I described earlier in my walk with Christ when my reputation was being destroyed and God said he was protecting our reputation. Um, I always made this joke that I wish I had the McFadden last name um, because I felt like I was more of a McFadden than a Bliffin. And as we first walked this neighborhood and the city streets in Painesville, we experienced that my grandfather was quite well known and the McFadden name was quite well known. Um, who knows when? in the 40 plus years of his ministry, these people came in contact with him or his family or this church. Um, but it didn't usually have a great connotation. And I didn't recognize anybody, even from my childhood that we visited. But even if it wasn't a good experience they might've had, or maybe they, you know, maybe they came to a service and the conviction of the Lord hit them and they just didn't want to come back. What For whatever reason, um, the name McFadden was recognized, but because I was a different name, even though I'm related, it's like God already prepared that because it's new seed falling on, on fresh soil. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously nothing against the McFadden name, but I think it was just the familiarity of that name with this community for those 40 plus years. People just kind of thought, you know, oh yeah, I know McFadden, you know, <laughs> uh, 
I know, I know them over there in that little white church, <laughs> FWC. Oh man, how would they think if I was coming in? Because I've got exactly his name, Thomas <laughs> Thomas McFadden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would always joke that I wish that was my name, but then it was like um, that was just kind of God confirming that. Well, you're a bliffin for a reason, mm. because I've prepared, you know, I've prepared the way for this to happen, for my plan to unfold, and I believe. Um, the seeds that we have begun to plant in this community of this kind of shift to God wanting to do um, this new work in this, in this time and in this area, he's already thought of everything. Even the simplicity of my, my last name being Bliffin instead of McFadden. It's like, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't, I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, I see God in everything. You know, I had a dream about, <laughs> I had a dream about a purple bunny and purple means, you know, the love of God or whatever, you know. (laughs) Um, But even literally just down to the most, what we would think is the most minute and insignificant detail, God has already thought about it um, leading to this time. I mean, we even had a recent blessing that God gave to our church. We were talking about replacing um, a part of our roof because our roof has a, I don't know what you would call it, but it's just the typical, you know, like triangle roof for a house. You're a, you're a home inspector person. What is that called for just a regular roof? Just a roof, right? So <laughs> I know what it is, but I literally can't gable. Gable. Gable, gable okay. roof. Yeah. So it was, so our it church was literally has, right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> so our church has uh, the original sanctuary which was the original construction of the building was just the sanctuary and it had a gable roof. And then they added on the office wing and then an additional kitchen at the end of the office wing. And that wing of the church, apart from the sanctuary's gable roof, is a flat roof. And as many of you know listening, a flat roof does not last nearly as long as a gable roof because it is subject to the elements much more harshly than a gable roof. It's literally because it's flat. Yeah. The water just doesn't run off as so well. So one of the projects this year was the fact that our flat roof is over its time limit, and we were talking about getting it replaced because they're only supposed to last so long, and we don't want the roof leaking or any such thing. So we set aside all this money for this project, and we were going to get the roof replaced. And then um, – we got extremely blessed because we got a free roof inspection on both roofs of the church. Uh, the same people that actually provided the materials to put in the flat roof, which at this point I think was close to 15 years ago that they replaced the flat roof last. Um, they inspected the flat roof and said, you know, well, this is in really good shape. Um, you just need to make these few fixes and put this special coating on. And this will last you for many, many, many more years. And, uh, you know what, we're going to put you on our schedule and we're going to handle that for you. And we're going to cover the materials. And then the inspection they did on the gable roof, they said, um, you know, we can't get our team to do it just because um, we'd have to charge you something for that because it's so high up, you know. Um, So they gave us the list of everything that needed to be fixed. And so they covered partial material costs for that side of the roof as well and so my other uncle uh, my uncle Sam Boylan he came into town recently and did all those fixes for us we put him up in in a hotel and he you know in a few days him and my grandfather got up there and they knocked everything out and 
So God just blessed this project, saving the church. I don't know the exact amount, but I would say around $5,000, maybe more. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really exciting to have that blessing for our church right now because now that money can be, you know, allocated towards the other remodels and the stuff that we needed to do inside of the building. Um, So it's just an exciting time at our church. And I know I don't sound very excited when I talk about it, but (laughs) it just, it really is. And it's, it's crazy. I'm in a constant state of like, wow, like I get to live this. I get to be a part of this. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds. I know that God called me to be here. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. For all I know, God could call me back to Kentucky at some point. I don't know. <laughs> but but um, I'm just glad that I get to partake in this, regardless of the struggles that we went through to get to this point. I think it, it was all worth it. Even just being able to be at the start of this transitionary period of God finally being able to, you know, the soil's finally been plowed so that the seed can be sown. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, minus like the 15 minutes before is, you know, 45-minute answer, but yeah, what else would I expect from a pastor? Yeah. <laughs> no, I am... Uh, Somewhat, obviously I'm not a pastor, but I'm somewhat in that in that same boat as far as you were talking about uh, clearing things out and making room for new stuff because that's exactly what we've been doing in our church. I mean, I don't know how much they've filled you in on it, but literally we went through every single room in the upstairs, every single room in the downstairs, and literally just looked at what do we actually use. Yeah. And we got rid of like everything. Like the... <laughs> I also thought to, that was so funny that while we're going through stuff here, you yeah. guys are going through stuff there, and you're our mother church. So. Well, like, to anyone who's n- never been there, this will make no sense, but the mechanical room, there's there's nothing in there. I didn't get you, to see it. You can walk in there. There's so many rooms for activities. <laughs> like, you can just, you just walk around and do a spin kick if you wanted to. Like, literally, it's just crazy to look at that. Then you go into literally ev- almost every room, and there's still some older stuff that's still there that... Yeah. I myself am asking, like, why is this still here? But I'm sure there's a reason. Because it wouldn't be left there if there wasn't a reason. Because they were very strict on, yeah, like... last time I was there, somebody asked if I wanted a corkboard. And when I looked at the corkboard, it's longer than my car. So I'm thinking, <laughs> how could you think I would be able to take the corkboard in my Chevy Cruze across state lines... <laughs> That wouldn't even fit on my roof. It's too long. It would be flapping in the wind on the freeway. Plus, I don't know what it is about when you're taking 71 going through Columbus, but bad things always happen. So it's like, and it, I don't know if it is for you, but for Expect me. Expect bad things bad, to happen. Bad things always happen. All right. Like the first trip I ever took to Ohio by myself, I was literally coming to your house to stay there. Yep. All of a sudden. Great way to stay in shape. Just passenger window just explodes. I don't know if something hit it. I don't know if someone shot it with a BB gun. They threw a rock at it. Something kicked up off the... I don't know. Either way, it just exploded. I was on the phone with someone and just... 
Shots fired. It was in the. It was like October, so it was getting close to winter. It's very cold very up chilly. here. It was thirty six degrees outside, and I'm going seventy five miles per hour yep. down the freeway with a window down. I had my jacket on backwards so I could stay warm with the heat just blowing on me constantly, just to try to stay warm, freezing my butt off. Yeah, and I couldn't stand the wind. So, like just blowing constantly, so I had to play something on the radio. I just listened to Jim Gaffigan stand ups. I think <laughs> I got through like three of his different stand ups, and so I'm literally blasting it though, so I can hear it. So I'm sure every car I'm going by is just hearing a random Jim Gaffigan joke. Yep, and it was actually kind of making me laugh. Not a sponsor, but love you, Jim. Oh, Jim's great. I've literally never called him Jim ever in my entire life. <laughs> I've yep. always just love you, Jimothy. my gosh i hope marissa doesn't hear that she'll start calling her dad that oh no oh no disregard what i've said (laughs) i've already told a lot of people i haven't told my dad this but i've told a lot of people that i'm going to convince my children to call him peepaw jimmy (laughs) (laughs) oh man he literally just said in his sermon on Mother's Day, he was discussing how back in the day people used to call him Jimmy. Yeah. And then he said, now nobody calls me Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Nobody. Yeah, literally. That's why they could get away with it. Because they'd be his grandkids. Yeah. My mom was telling me this whole thing uh, this morning. She actually woke me out of a dead sleep calling me, telling me about their trip. And they, uh, they got a visit from Ashley, my other sister. And uh, Rowan was with them, and Rowan had learned how to sign I love you. And as wow. soon as he saw my mother, he, like, ran to her, gave her a hug, started giving her a bunch of kisses, and kept signing to her I love you. And so she, you know, her heart's melted, and <laughs> she's super happy today. That's awesome. But point being is, like, my kids could get away with Peepaw Jimmy. Yeah. If I even just got Peepaw out, it just, it, it'd be on site for him. He'd come from the floor, just straight up. <laughs> Uppercut. Just from the floor and reach up to heaven. Yeah. And I just happened to be in the way. <laughs> I was trying to play with my Lord. <laughs> in, in the spirit of love and Christian fellowship. Yes. Well, sir, I just want to tell you personally while we end this, almost ended it right on 115 on the dot, but it's still technically within the minute, that if no one else has told you, I for one am very proud of you for everything that you have accomplished and also being there for most of it. Cause you know, you mentioned the fact and where you were in high school, like when you moved in with us, you're probably about around 15, 16, something like that. Um, around that area. Yeah. Around that area. And I only knew you really like when I got to see you was when we would come up for homecoming and come to the, you know, big service every year for this church yeah and even then we didn't really hang out all that much so we didn't really even get to know each other the extent of our hangouts then then i remember your mom's old astro van from back in the day yeah and uh we would sit in the back after we ate food and we would watch some movies on your little dvd car player that you had yeah (laughs) yeah it's like it had like a little uh well, actually, that was that was when we finally got the upgrade because the Astro Van itself had a VCR player with a screen on it, <laughs> and we could only play VCRs. So they eventually let us, you know, get a little DVD player so we could play our DVDs. Yeah. 
But point being is, like, we were not really that close when you moved down. Like, we were actually talking about this yesterday and the fact that when they told us, like, hey, your cousin Jeremy's coming down for the summer, I was like, oh, man, we couldn't get Josh, <laughs> which is your older brother. And like you said, looking back now and seeing how things turned out, um, not a knock on Josh, but I'm glad that it wasn't him because I wouldn't have my relationship with you. And you already know this, but I consider you more of a brother than I do a cousin. And so I am absolutely proud of you and everything that you're doing here. And I am very excited to not only see what's going to happen, but to also be a part of everything that's going to happen here for this church. So thank you, sir, for coming on here with me. Podcast out. Yeah.